It was 1998. Sherry and I had just uh, accepted a position as a youth pastor at Emmaus Lutheran Church in Bloomington, Minnesota. And along with Sherry and I, her cousin went with us as we moved a majority of our stuff up to the house that we just uh, were able to rent, including one of our cars. We dropped that off. So we did some shopping at the Mall of America, the largest mall in the world at the time, and we enjoyed ourselves there. We, we then left the hotel, and the night before, it had snowed a little bit. We were going to head back to Newark, Illinois. Sherry in the passenger seat, her cousin Carrie in the back seat, and myself driving, we started heading uh, east to head home. On our way out, we stopped at McDonald's, and we grabbed a breakfast. Included in my breakfast was a large hot chocolate, which 20 years later, I still enjoy good hot chocolate. And I'm holding the hot chocolate and, and enjoying that, and we're uh, just outside of the Twin Cities, uh, maybe just outside uh, the border of Wisconsin on I-94 East. And that's when my right tire hit the shoulder just slightly and it was a little slick and I overcompensated and went all the way to the left lane I got scared and I overcompensated again this time to the right side and as I was heading towards the what I now realized was a 30-foot ditch I got a little concerned but then I noticed I could possibly ride the hill straight down that 30-foot ditch. And so I did. I drove straight down it, and we were going pretty fast. And, and, and as we went down into the ditch, it started leveling out, and I finally pulled into a, a regular spot 30 feet down. Sherry was screaming. Carrie was in the back holding on tight, and me... I had my hot chocolate still in my hand. <laughs> well, we were safe and sound. Our hearts were racing significantly. We didn't know what to do. There was hot chocolate everywhere in the car and every crevice you could imagine. But we were still safe. Luckily for us, in 1998, Sherry was borrowing her mom's bag cell phone, and we had AAA. But we were stuck down a 30-foot ditch. Eventually, AAA came about an hour later, uh, got, got the wench down there and pulled us out as I steered up the hill. Sherry's cousin drove the way home, and I got to sleep in the back <laughs> and finish my hot chocolate. We were stuck. Have you ever been stuck with your car in somewhere? We haven't had much snow this year. Haven't got too many people stuck at places. Maybe you got stuck, locked out of your home, and, and you didn't have a key, and, and you were just stuck. Sometimes we feel stuck in our lives with what's going on in our lives, and we, we, we feel like God is just too far away to help us. We have no way of connecting with him. We're in a a season of 
spiritual darkness and you're stuck and you don't know what to do i'm here to tell you today that every single person in the world in humanity for all time are stuck we're stuck we're stranded without a possibility of ever getting out of that ditch in our life and it's because of humanity it's because we are sinners all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and if you fall short of the glory of God you have no way of getting out of that stuckness and God knew that God knows it God has always known it that that the people that he would make in his image would be stuck they'd be stuck but he also knew that they had a way of becoming unstuck and it wasn't triple a It was his son Jesus it was God himself incarnate that was the plan it's always been the plan Jesus is the plan of getting us unstuck Jesus would come to earth he would grow up as a fully man fully God and he'd sacrifice himself on a cross and then he'd come back to life He'd be resurrected and we could get unstuck today we're going to do the second part of the Christmas series you might have missed last week I'm sure you're anxious to hear that again go ahead and go online villagebible.org and you can uh, listen to that one but last week we talked about uh, uh, how the Savior's birth was predicted for all the ages it's it's been it's been foretold by prophets and and, and and God himself has told the the people of Israel that Jesus was coming then we discuss how the timing of when Jesus arrived was absolutely perfect it was a perfect time in history not by our human standards but by God's standard it was the exact time that he had planned forever we learned of the proclamation of the angels that they made that Jesus was the king that Jesus was the Savior and then we understood that he was not only the Savior but he was the Savior for the shepherds and he was the Savior Savior for all people Jews and Gentiles alike and that's some good news friends that's some good news we're gonna read again Luke chapter 2 so if you want to join me pulling out your Bibles Luke chapter 2 I'm gonna read the first 20 verses always a great thing to read anyway uh, during the Christmas season just as a good reminder verse 1 in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town and Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to, to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed who was with child and while they were there the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good news of great joy 
that will be for all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of a heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Lord, may you be king as we listen to your word, as we hear your word. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to first look at, at the responses that these shepherds had. Remember, this is the second part of, uh, of, our, uh, of our message. And we're going to start with verse 15. When the angels went away from them in heaven, the shepherds said to one another. So the angels came, and, and, and a host, a multitude, Scripture says, of these angels came, and they're, they're, they're singing this song of glory, saying that Jesus is born. This is amazing. This is unbelievable. And then we talked about the glory of the Lord shown around them and how that was so magnificent that no one, uh, we remembered Moses, how he was in the, the crevice of the rock, where, where God had to cover his face because the glory of, of his own glory was so magnificent that Moses couldn't look upon him. And, and so he got to see his back. And, and so the glory of the Lord is showing, and these shepherds are just in amazement. And so now the angels go, Gabriel maybe, and, and the other angels, the multitude, they're gone, or they can't see him anymore. And now the shepherds are left standing there. So what are they going to do? When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. And they went with haste. Our first point today, when we hear of the Savior, we should run to him. We should run to him. We're going to look at it from the, the vantage point of the shepherds. They were just visited by this host, and, and, and they thought, man, the king of kings is in the village, which is about two miles away is the best guess. We need to get to him, and we need to get there fast. And, and, and they did the first thing that they, they could think of, just run to him. You see, they, they had obligations. They were shepherds. They had to keep the sheep safe. They had to make sure that they didn't get away. Jesus even told about how one sheep gets away, and, and, and you, you forget about all the others until you get that one back and get it with the flock. That they, had a, they had an important job. We don't know how many shepherds there were. We know there was more than one. But they had a responsibility. So, so they could have just sat around and, and thought, okay, let, let's just... Wait till morning, and we'll get somebody to come out here and, and watch these, and then, and then we'll go and see if this is true. But they don't. 
The, the Bible says that they thought it was more important that they get to where the baby was. The scripture says they went in haste. The New American Standard says, so they came in a hurry. Bottom line, there, there wasn't a lot of discussing. There wasn't a lot of time they spent just thinking about this. They ran to the Savior. They ran to him. They were probably out of breath when they got into Bethlehem. But their adrenaline was, it was pumping through their bodies so much because of what they just experienced. And they probably just started running around asking people, where, where is this baby? The creator of the universe is here. Where is he? Matthew eleven twenty eight. It reminds us to, to go to Jesus as well. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy burden, and I will give you rest. You see, we waste so much time, friends. We, may, we waste, as, as human beings, as, as people in this life, we waste so much time by not going to the Savior. We try to figure it out ourselves. Or, or we make excuses. Uh, we, we try to avoid God. Some of us try to, try to actually find other things to do so we don't have to think about God. You know, the shepherds could have said, you know what, we just got, we have all these sheep. We, that, this is our job. We're going to get fired from our job, or we're going to lose tons of money if, if we lose these sheep. We, we can't worry about this. The, the, this is what we have to do. And that's what I think we do as, as people. You know what, I, I just got to get through this season. I'll be okay. I don't need to go to church, or I don't need to talk to God. Sometimes it takes a lot for us to be humbled. We need to find wherever that bottom is in our life to finally stop running away from God and instead running toward him. And that's what these shepherds did. They heard of the Savior, and they ran to him. They heard of the Savior, and they just hustled. They trusted the message, I believe. They trusted what these angels had told them, that the Savior was there. Moving on, the shepherds entered the city of Bethlehem. They began their search for the baby. They probably knocked on doors and, hey, have you seen a baby born? It's going to be in a manger, so, so where would that be? And the village isn't that big. Uh, Bethlehem isn't that huge. But it's big enough for, for them, wherever they were coming from, I think from the south most likely, uh, as they're coming north, uh, as they enter, to figure out where this baby is. And maybe more than one babies were there, and, and maybe they, they knew about a baby or didn't know about a baby. But eventually, as captured in Luke 2, the shepherds found Mary. The shepherds found Joseph. The shepherds, just as the angel had told them, looked, and there was a baby laying in a manger wrapped in swallowing cloths. That had to be a moment of unbelief. 
a moment of amazement, of utter awe that these men experienced. They probably froze. They, they probably turned the corner and like, they couldn't believe what they were seeing. I mean, they were told that this was the almighty God. And that they were going to find the almighty God, the incarnate almighty God. It was a moment that they would never, ever possibly forget. You know, there's moments in, in our lives where, where we never forget, right? There's those moments like, I can remember that. I can remember that 9-11. Uh, I remember exactly where I was at. And, and, but there's other moments in time, really uh, different types of moments, that we will never forget. Last year at the Plano Christmas Classic, uh, there was a, a basketball player uh, who uh, made quite a shot. Um, and, and it was LaSalle Peru versus Chicago Hubbard at the Plano Christmas Classic, Thursday, the 28th of December. And, and uh, Chicago Hubbard had come into Plano, come into town, and they had decided that they were going to stall. They held the ball for over seven minutes just standing at half court, never doing anything with the ball. And, and LaSalle Peru, who they were playing, decided just to let them stand there. And the clock ran out, and they, they missed a shot in the third quarter, and then they got to the fourth quarter, and they did some more of that stalling. Well, eventually, at a last-second play, Chicago Hubbard drives in, and they get fouled, and they shoot two free throws. They make both free throws. They're now up two points, 1.3 seconds left. LaSalle Peru calls a timeout. And, and they come out. Well, actually, I think I have the video. And by the time he tips it and they catch it, you can do 1.3 seconds. Sure, absolutely. And get a full, nice jump shot. Here we go. 1.3 left. Oh, my! Is it good? Oh, good Lord. Are you kidding me? I, I, I mean, from what I could see, Phil, it, it, it was off in time. I didn't hear the buzzer. We've got fans on the court. That was absolutely unbelievable. I, I think their senior guard and, and, and just fire one away. I interviewed Joel uh, and Coach after that game, and, and they were just in utter amazement. Joel graduated. He was a real good ball player, and, and uh, but he graduated from LaSalle Peru last year. But I'm guessing that he isn't forgetting that moment in time. That moment in time is etched in his brain, and he's going to tell his grandkids about when he made the over half court shot to win the game to put him into the the Elite Eight or the Final Four. That was a, a huge moment for Joel Pantoya and for the LaSalle Peru fans. And, and then there's, there's other moments in time, uh, like when President Ronald Reagan visited West Berlin in June of 1987. H him and his wife, Nancy, uh, they, they got to look out at, at the Berlin Wall. And then President Reagan took the stage about 2 o'clock p.m. in a very nice, uh, cool day. And here's, here's what he said. We have that video, too, I think. 
Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Now, you guys might, you guys probably know that statement and remember that statement, but when that statement was made, it was very controversial. And, and, and it was, uh, in fact, a month before he made that speech, people were telling him, do not put that in the speech. That does not sound presidential. Yet, the people in that area don't forget that statement. That statement was powerful in Europe because that 11.81 foot wall would eventually come down. First politically, on November 9, 1989, the government said you could cross the wall. But then in November of, of 91, the wall was tore down. That moment in time it, it is etched in those people's minds of when Reagan said that. In fact, they, uh, there was a celebration, the 30-year celebration of when he made that actual statement. We remember those moments in time, and those are big, but those moments, Joel Pantoja's long shot and, and President Reagan's statement to Gorbachev, those are huge moments, but they're nothing compared to that moment when those shepherds turned the corner and they saw the incarnate Almighty God. Absolutely nothing compared to that moment in time. It was beyond any speech, beyond any human skill, beyond comprehension. The one who created the world was now a tiny baby and probably crying right in front of them. You know, that moment in time stands still to this day. Almost all of human race to this day identify that moment in time. You guys are smart people. You know about B.C. and A.D., before Christ and in the, in the year of our Lord. The birth of Jesus Christ truly is the separation of the old and the new. It's the dividing point of time. It's, it's what we use. That moment in time that the shepherds shared was monstrous. Not only did the shepherds stand in awe of the Savior, I'm guessing they spiritually and physically bowed to him. We don't know about the physical. It doesn't say that they physically bowed to him. I could assume that in their awe. But spiritually, we do know that they bowed their hearts to him. They humbled themselves before him, and they knew that he was the Savior. The lives of these guys were changed. And that's our second point. When we bow to the Savior, we should share about him. When we bow to him, we should share about him. Don't hold it to ourselves. Share it with everyone we know. Verse 16 says, And, and, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. You know, they didn't just stick around at that nativity. That'd be all cute and everything, make some good Christmas cards later on. But they didn't just stick with the nativity. They, they took the information that they heard and, and, and that they seen and that they knew 
and they shared it. They shared it with people. From Luke's account, it doesn't look like anyone really cared. It said they, uh, they heard it and they wondered what the shepherds were telling them. Uh, maybe, maybe they didn't believe them. That's a possibility. They were shepherds. I told you about that. and uh, They weren't trusted, necessarily. They weren't considered smart people. But you know what? They did their job. And their job, out of pure joy, was sharing the good news. Was sharing the information. You know, if you have good information, shouldn't you share it? Here's an example. My brother Dan. My brother Dan loves texting me information. Yesterday, his text was this. Here's the quote. Jewel Osco has $9 hams. It's good information. Quality information. Here's his text from December 7th. Jewel has pop for 88 cents for two liters. Limit 12. <laughs> Just in case I was going to buy a dozen of them. Good, it's information that he sees that is good information. And what is he going to do with it? He's not going to hold it to himself. He's going to share it with his brother. Right before Thanksgiving, he texted me, Jewel has 80% off turkeys. And guess what Sherry and I did? We bought a turkey at Jewel with the information. He had good news, good information, and he shared it with us. How much more with the good news that we have as believers in Jesus Christ should we be sharing that with others? That's real good news. That's real good information. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you have bowed your knee before the king, share it. Don't keep it to yourself. And you know what? There's not a limit of 12 either. You can share it with as many as you want. Let others benefit from the opportunity to live for the king. Moving on, third point. When we adore the Savior, we should ponder him. When we adore the Savior, we should ponder him. Verse 19 says, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Scholars have, have commented that Mary was probably at the oldest, 17 years old, when she had baby Jesus. So that means she was about 16 at the oldest when she got visited by the Holy Spirit. When she was betrothed to another young man named Joseph, who some scholars say could be as old as 30 years old. He was probably a young man nonetheless. The two were engaged. They were in love. And the only thing that could separate the two uh, would be an official divorce at that point, even though that they weren't married. It was a big deal. But one night, the angel Gabriel, Scripture teaches us, visited Mary, a poor peasant woman. We know that they didn't have much money, Mary and, and Joseph, because uh, they gave uh, two turtle doves as their sacrifice later on, where they were allowed to instead of a lamb. So they were, they were poor. They were poor. 
verse 30 in Luke, here's what it says. And the angel said to her in Luke 1, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The young woman, this young woman, this young peasant woman, who wasn't worthy of anything from her vantage point most likely, is being told that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her. It's the exact same thing that she, the stories that she heard about the kings. Her distant relative David was filled with the Holy Spirit. This wasn't, a, uh, wasn't something that she could even fathom, let alone accept. And yet she was humble enough to hear what this angel said. Mary was a virgin. She couldn't get pregnant. Not until after marriage. You see, this moment for Mary, this moment in time, would cause her heartache the rest of her life. People wouldn't believe Mary. People knew that she wasn't with Joseph yet. And yet she was pregnant. She obviously was with another man. And yet she saw herself as blessed. This moment in time changed Mary's life forever. Not just because she bore the Son of God, but because she'd be ridiculed and mocked <coughs> by maybe those closest to her. And you probably wouldn't believe her either. If she was your cousin or friend or relative, but 40 weeks later, maybe even earlier, she's 90 miles away from home in the land of David, recovering from giving birth. Joseph's there. He's trying to help out. He has no idea what to do. Same as guys today. They were cold, hungry, scared. That was they were trying to decide their next step, maybe figuring out what they were going to do in the morning, what they were going to do for food. They hear a bunch of guys making noise from afar. And they hear these guys, and, and they're sitting there, and they've got their baby lying in a manger in the hay. And then coming around the corner are these guys that are dirty, that are filthy. They may even be able to smell them, even though they're in the midst of some other animals, because these guys sleep with the sheep. <coughs> they had to be scared. They had to be thinking, oh, no. What's about to happen? So if it was two men, if it was eight men, we don't know. I'm sure they were scared. Remember, Mary was told that this baby was the son of God. This is after giving birth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. 
little baby crawling right down the aisle. A after giving birth to baby Jesus, that was a scary moment in itself probably, thinking, oh my goodness, i got to make sure everything goes okay here. I mean, there was probably a panic. Now these men are coming. What are they going to do to the baby? I've got to protect the baby. Joseph, on the other hand, remember when he was going to divorce Mary, he was about to divorce her, and then, then an angel visited him, maybe Gabriel himself. Here's what the angel told Joseph. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Son of God, Savior, and he's sitting right here, and here come these men. What are they going to do to this kid? We need to protect him in some way. They're in this foreign land. They're, they're, no doubt they're nervous. Then these men, from my vantage point, based on my studying, these men get on their knees. And they bow before the baby as their king. And they tell Mary and Joseph all the stuff that the angels had told them. And how the angel predicted perfectly that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger in Bethlehem. And it came to fruition. Just another moment for Mary and Joseph to sit there and say, this is true. This is true. Our baby is the Savior. Our baby is the Son of God. This isn't an ordinary baby. You know, I think it was that moment where Mary stopped. She stopped worrying. She stopped thinking about any pain that she was still having. She stopped any anxiousness that she had. And she stopped and she pondered. She pondered her love and thankfulness for the anointed one, her son. You see, when we worship the Lord through, our, through song, like we were at the beginning, when we were singing uh, Silent Night and the other songs, we're showing adoration toward the King. When we celebrate Christmas and Easter, our goal as we ponder those holidays that we are showing adoration to the king the shepherds showed adoration mary showed an adoration in her worship of her own child in fact mary is the only one in the history of all time and in, in the history of, of future and past who should adore her child no one else should. No other child in history is worthy to have the ground kissed before him to show reverence to them. Only Jesus Christ. He's the only child ever to truly should be adored. Now we use the word adore in different ways. And in our culture, we adore our children but not in the way that I'm speaking of what Scripture teaches us. 
When the word worship is used, that's the same word as adoration, to adore. John 4, 23 through 24 says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in the truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The word worship is adoration. And as we worship the Savior, we should be pondering all that he has done so far, all that he is going to do, all that he has done to change our lives. And we should just understand that the king is our Savior. He is our purpose of adoration, of worship. Not ourselves. And that's what Mary was probably pondering at that point. Let's move on. Final point. When we trust in the Savior, we should live for him. When we trust in the Savior, we should live for him. Verse 20 of Luke 2. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. You see, after the shepherds went and saw the Savior, they spoke with Mary and Joseph, they ran around, they, they, they started telling everybody about what they had seen, what they experienced. And the people just like, okay. That's an interesting story. We don't see any record of anyone else going to the nativity scene, going to the baby Jesus. The wise men came months, maybe years later, to visit baby Jesus. But these guys went out, and they told all about him. And then what does Scripture say? It says, then they returned. They returned back to their workplace. They went back to being shepherds, but they didn't return as the same people. Remember, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become a new creation. All things are gone. All things are just in the past. You're a brand new creation. And that's what these men were. They were a new creation. They, they were praising God, glorifying him. They were part of something that's never going to be repeated ever. And they understood that. And you know what? Jesus is why we should be celebrating life. Jesus is the reason why we should be, what we should be doing at work. You know, most, most people are not in a, in a full-time profession of ministry where their entire job is to worship the king uh, with, with service and, and specific teaching and training. But most people are painters or, or run a business or farmers or, or whatever their job is. And in those jobs, that's where you show praise and glory to God while you are just living your everyday life. And that is so vitally important. We're going to my brother's this afternoon for Christmas, and we should be praising Jesus Christ at that party. It's not, it's not just about doing it while you come to church. It's while you're riding BMX bikes or, you're, or shooting hoops 
or you're playing the guitar or, or you're mowing the grass or, or you're cleaning up after the sick kid. Those are the times where how are you praising the Lord? And, and when we trust in the Savior, we should live for him. Everything becomes about him, not about ourselves. Not about the things and desires uh, of, of us. Yeah, we have to do our job. These guys had to go and, 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 and be with the sheep. They had to clean up after them and guide them to the next location and, and, and keep doing stuff. But while they were doing that, they were glorifying and praising God. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing that never ended. You see, they were part of something that you and I weren't part of. But you and I are part of something even more special. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. You see, these shepherds didn't. Remember Jesus said, I must go so he can come? These shepherds did not have that opportunity unless, unless God chose to do that. We don't see that in Scripture where that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You and I have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Word of God. You get to look backwards and see all the amazing stuff that God has already done and understand kind of what he's going to do in the future. But you have God living in you, dwelling in you. These shepherds didn't. Yet they're glorifying and praising God. That's what we need to do on an everyday basis. Philippians 1, 21 through 22 says, For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. If I'm here, I'm going to just serve Christ. Whatever that means. That means loving people, being kind, being generous, being giving, uh, coming around others, uh, doing everything I can to avoid conflict, live peaceable among all men. All of those things are all from Scripture. They're not from Phil. And that's how we start living our life for Jesus. It's not about check marks. It's about serving the king. And when you serve at the pleasure of the king, you live your life differently. Amen? That's what we want to do. We want to live differently because we are believers in Jesus Christ. My favorite verse, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not my life. It's Jesus. We'll conclude. This moment of time, it, it wasn't just randomly thought up by God. This wasn't just a random uh, decision. There was nothing that we did as humans that caused this decision, this moment in time. This was the plan from before creation our God is a jealous God who loves to be worshipped and who deserves to be worshipped we as people made in his image had the opportunity to choose to love 
him and serve him or not. It's simple as that. Two decisions. And he loves when people make a decision to serve him, to worship him. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they were all there before the creation of time. Jesus has always existed. This isn't a moment in time where Jesus just finally became uh, uh, someone. Instead, Jesus humbled himself to make the decision to become, as Josh and I were talking about earlier, a seed. And eventually a baby. That is mind-blowing to think about. Ponder on that. That the creator of the world chose to be created in the same way when he became incarnate. We're going to close with some powerful verses from Philippians 2. You see, Jesus chose that moment to come into this world. I'm going to read these verses, and then we'll pray, and then we'll just be dismissed. Philippians 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Listen to what Christ did. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. He was born a baby with his number one job to serve people. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus came as a tiny little baby that Mary and Joseph would hold and grow and, and he grew in knowledge and, and, and stature and eventually, in his early 30s, based on what information we have, he decided to go to the cross and allow himself to be killed. Which he knew from the beginning of whatever the beginning is, eternity. And he knew that moment in time that he would feel all pain. You see, even though he was fully God, he was fully man while he stood here on earth. That is the amazing part. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess in heaven and on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen.